Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special episode of our podcast focused on security clearances. Here by my side is my trusty co-host, Rachel. Rachel, how are you doing today? Hey, Kathleen, I am so excited to be back in the saddle with you, my friend, and super excited that we have Tony Kuhn here. Yes, Tony Kuhn is the managing partner at Tully Rinky, and he spends a lot of time representing military personnel and members of the intel community. He has extensive experience assisting clients navigating security clearance suspensions and revocations, appeals to the discharge review boards and boards for correction of military records, and so much more. He has been a guest on our show before, and we're thrilled to welcome him back. Tony, I know you're excited to talk to Rachel. Rachel, kick it off. I am equally excited to talk to Tony because I am so excited for you to be able to share your expertise and a little bit more insight into the preliminary settlement of Sweet versus Cardona. This was the lending class action lawsuit, which really, from my understanding, means the cancellation of student loan debt for about 200,000 plus class members. Could you explain to our cleared listeners what impact this could have on them and in the security clearance area? Sure. And, and thanks again for having me. Uh, it's a class action suit involving individuals who have student loans that uh, might have been subject to predatory lending or fraudulent uh, lending, things of that nature. And under guideline F, an individual uh, who is unable to live within their means or uh, it falls behind on uh, credit debts such as student loans uh, might not be eligible to obtain or keep their security clearance. So this case, if it is finalized, and we expect that it will be uh, likely in November of this year, if this case is finalized, it's going to grant that relief, as you said, to over 200,000 borrowers. And uh, it's going to confirm predatory lending and uh, fraud and, and things of that nature. So a form of mitigation for Guideline F is to show that an individual is challenging the debt. Uh, another form of mitigation is to show that an individual fell behind due to circumstances that were outside of their control. And something like predatory lending or what we would call victimization would fall within that uh, those parameters. So an individual who you know maybe is a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt right now and is struggling to keep up with their student loans. I know there's forbearance and, and things of that nature, but not everybody. Some people were already falling behind on their student loans. So individuals who uh, fall within this class, uh, again, as many as 200,000 people or more, are going to immediately have mitigation. Uh, again, they're, they're challenging the debt through the class action suit automatically as a, as a challenge of the debt or would easily show a challenge to the debt. And uh, the fact that this class action suit is going to confirm predatory lending and fraud uh immediately gives them mitigation. And it's not it's not immediately going to, you know, throw out any guideline F concerns, but it's going to be very helpful in, in helping those individuals to mitigate those concerns. So is there anything that a security clearance holder who is part of this class action suit should do as far as we're recording or reporting that they're participating in this? Because, you know, you've always talked in the past about don't be too over-anxious to report, but to be very straightforward in your reporting. Right. If the individual has has taken part in any type of activities that would help show a challenge to the debt, that would be helpful. So if an individual thinks that they are the victim of predatory lending, challenging that debt, maybe sending uh, letters or written correspondence to whomever holds that debt, challenging the debt as predatory lending 
could potentially be helpful, but just being a member of the class for now. Not everybody's going to be included in the class, but being a member of the class for now would be helpful. Uh, individuals who might think that they are the victim of predatory lending, but don't right now currently fall within that class, they might want to review the case and see if their fact pattern fits what they're going through. And if they believe that it does and they're behind on their student loan debts, it might be a plausible form of mitigation if they can show that their fact pattern mirrors the fact pattern of the other individuals that a court has now confirmed have been victimized. So one thing that I always love when we're talking is how you remind me and you remind our audience that they have a certain amount of responsibility and authority as far as their security clearance is concerned. Because I am always amazed when I talk to military personnel who are transitioning out or people who are in the community and they think it's somebody else's job to manage the components around their security clearance. So let's talk a little bit about some of the issues you're seeing related to continuous evaluation of security clearance holders. You've seen an increase in cases where individuals receive notifications that negative information has surfaced. What are some of the common missteps or triggers that you're seeing right now? So sure, we're seeing a, an increase naturally because there's this transition or what I call right now the merge um, from periodic reevaluations to continuous evaluations is it's in the process of occurring, but it's not done. So continuous evaluation is a system whereby anybody who holds a security clearance is going to be monitored continuously. So there will no longer be the need for a five-year reevaluation or a 10-year reevaluation, depending on the level of security clearance. Uh, under periodic reinvestigations, you are only reinvestigated every five or 10 years. So if you did something wrong in that period of time and you didn't report that information, theoretically, you could keep your clearance for 10 years if you did something a month after you were cleared and nobody would know any better. Um, now, under continuous evaluation, you're, you're being people are being caught for things that they failed to report uh, because somebody is constantly checking into their background and may be as often as quarterly. Uh, so the common ones that are really easy for investigators to find are the ones right now that are triggering what we call interrogatories or written questions that go to the security clearance holder. For example, an individual goes out and gets a DWI or a DUI, they're, they're driving under the influence, and they're pulled over and they are arrested for that. They've now created a record in the system of that arrest. If you don't self-report that arrest and anything else associated to that arrest, in some circumstances, the individual might have had drugs in the vehicle or a gun in the vehicle or something like that. Um, so there's additional potential adjudicative guidelines that come into play. If you don't self-report that information and attempt to mitigate that information at that time, then you're looking at the criminal conduct guideline, um, anything else that might be associated like drugs or um, similar guidelines, um, and also your personal conduct or your guideline e-violation for failing to make a prompt good faith effort to disclose that information. So we're seeing you know, many different areas. Um, another one that's really common is guideline F. So for an individual, and that's financial considerations, for an individual who maybe fell behind on a mortgage or fell behind 90 days or more on credit card debt and it's being reported to the credit card agencies, these investigators have access to those agencies So if they or those reports that those agencies put out. So if an investigator, say, doing a quarterly check sees that an individual is now 90 days behind on multiple revolving accounts, then you can expect to get that email when you come into work um, that you're you know, being asked about the, the financial issues and you're given an opportunity to mitigate them. 
So the first step in the process is that you're notified, kind of like a statement of reasons, but it's not there yet. Um, it's at a, you know, a lower level, an easier, an easier level to be able to mitigate. Someone really just asks you questions. What happened? It looks like you got a DWI. Is that true? It looks like you're falling behind on your finances. Is that true? And if you do a really good job of responding to those interrogatories, then you're not going to get a statement of reasons. But if you don't, then you're going to get a statement of reasons and you're going to have to adjudicate to keep your security clearance. So one thing that I know a lot of people are doing coming out of the pandemic is international travel. Does international travel trigger any of the guidelines? Yes, it can. So what a lot of people don't realize is regardless of whether your uh, passport is stamped or not, you're creating a record of your travel when you're going through other countries. So um, investigators can usually see those records and can find out if an individual has actually traveled outside of the United States on their passport, uh, regardless of whether passport is actually stamped or not. So um, I know my, my colleague, uh, Dan Meyer, and I, we talk about this quite often, and this comes up in a lot of the cases where he deals with in the D.C. area. A lot of people travel internationally, and he tells them to create some type of document or record where you can plug those uh, those countries and those dates into, because you're going to have to talk about it at some point. You should seek permission or seek approval by, in writing, by email or something like that, to let your security office know that you're taking that that trip um, or, or taking part in international travel. And then you should check in and make sure there's no issues when you get back. Um, but make sure that you keep a record of it because at some point you're going to be asked about it. You want to show that you reported it. That's why we report everything in writing. And you also want to be able to uh, make sure that your dates are accurate and make sure that you're not going to create any doubt in an investigator's mind if your answers don't match up. I have a, a question that comes to mind. How about political association? We have a lot of people who might give contributions to political associations. They might volunteer. They might be involved. What does a security clearance holder have to be concerned about as far as politics and voting and the election support? So I'd like to be able to say that that's not a concern that anybody should have, uh, but obviously it's a concern that, that people should have. So. You know, it's not uncommon that individuals who are vetting uh, security clearance applicants or security clearance holders have something in common with the administration or, or you know, believe that the right president is in the office, uh, is in office. Um, if it's not closely following an election, um, you know, maybe it's not that big of an issue. But, uh, you know, these people are, are in these positions. They have ties to other individuals in the intelligence community, individuals in the administration. Um, the guidance that's being issued to the people who are vetting the applicants and security clearance holders is coming from people in the administration. So you should be careful about that. Um, it is something that we shouldn't have to be worried about, but we do. Um, and maybe to an extent we should because the president, you know, his administration is the administration that should be calling the shots at that time. So uh, there is no guideline that you would violate or rule that you would violate by, you know, making a donation, a campaign contribution or anything like that. But openly speaking out on social media or making your presence known at certain events, obviously, we know January 6th was, um, was an event that is a very hot topic. And many people are losing their security clearances over being there. Um, but, you, you know, you just have to keep in mind that you should be careful about what type of events you attend and, and who you're contributing to or how publicly you're doing those things. Because if an investiga investigator can get a hold of that information and they don't like that information, then there's a possibility that you're going to have to answer for it. Absolutely. So you said something that we definitely want to dig into a little bit more, and it's everyone's favorite topic, 
Dum, 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 social media. Yes, anybody who's anybody has something on social media or has something to say about it. I'd like to understand a little bit more, you know, some of the impacts of having that security clearance and use of social media. Can the two ever coexist? Sure. I mean, the answer is yes, if you behave. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What fun is that? (laughs) You'll hear a lot of people will advise, you know, security clearance attorneys, people in the intelligence community will advise people not to have a social media account. I don't. I I don't advise that. Um, I know a lot of people do. Um, I would just advise people to just be careful what you post. You can have political beliefs. You can believe or or not. You can uh, support or not support the actions of the current administration or prior administration. All those things are fine. As long as you're not advocating for violence against a government official, you're not um, affiliating with certain types of extremist groups. Um, But there's other groups out there that could potentially be an issue for you. I know people, some people are going to, you know, think that um, I'm off with this comment, but being a part of or openly uh, showing that you're being a part of three percenters or Antifa or certain organizations that many people don't view as extremist organizations could be a problem for a security clearance holder. You know, the, the thing with the three percenters, I know there's there's tons of veterans who come out of the military and they become three percenters because, you know, the logo is cool and they're patriots and they, you know, they want to fight for freedom and all that. But what they don't realize mo- in most cases is that the three percenters was founded on the principle that they're the three percent of the people willing to stand up and fight the government. That's a problem. So if you if you want to be a security clearance holder and get a security clearance from the government, you probably shouldn't make your profile picture the three percenter logo. Um, and then Antifa as well, you know, with the with the issues, the some of the demonstrations and things that have gotten a little out of hand um, could be an issue. It just depends on which investigator is conducting the investigation. And um, I can tell you, I've done one recently where an individual was sharing content on uh, social media and in those forums, the web forums, where Antifa members were were uh, also commenting and were also taking part in the discussions. And they were they were very open about the fact that they were Antifa members. And this individual is still in that uh, group or that room chatting with them and making comments. Uh, he made some comments that were about uh, President-elect Trump at the time and some other comments and was lucky enough to draw a, a Marine Corps combat veteran investigator. So how do you think that went? <laughs> you know, so that that's the person who reviews the comments. And uh, unfortunately, in the security clearance process, there is a lot of discretion, probably too much discretion. And for somebody to see those comments and not agree with those comments and not like those comments, then, you know, we had to go through the written response, which somehow didn't mitigate the concerns. And then we had to go on to a hearing and we litigated the case at a hearing and we were able to obtain the security clearance at a hearing. But uh, had that individual not put those comments out there, it would have been a very easy case and he would have gotten a security clearance with no issue. He deleted them the next day. He only put the comments on one night and deleted them the next day. It was the night of the election and deleted them the next day. And, you know, it, it took us more than a year to establish his security clearance because of it. So don't social media and drink, maybe is the, the moral of that story. <laughs> what you put out there is out there forever. <laughs> I, you know, I tell people, I mean, internet's, internet's forever. You put something on the internet, that's it. You can try to delete it, but it's there. Uh, make sure that you, you know. Um, and I can be outspoken on issues myself. There's no question about it. But I wouldn't ever, uh, you know, 
advocate for violence against anybody, not a government official or anybody else. And there's things that I, I, I wouldn't do that would ever jeopardize my clearance or, you know, lead somebody to question, you know, whether I support the, the United States or the government. Um, there, there's another recent case that was in the news. Actually, I read about it last week. An individual, he was a soldier and uh, the FBI was investigating his background because he applied for a secret security clearance. And when they, when the investigator checked into his social media accounts, surprise, right? Everybody always, always asks, well, it's not on the application. And are they really checking your social media account? So there it is. I mean, when the FBI checked into his social media accounts, it led them to continue their investigation into this individual and using his email address and other information, they were able to find other social media accounts that he had created under different names. And, um, one of them was, uh, in some way affiliated with the Nazi party. It was, there was a username or an email address that actually had the word Nazi in it. Um, and that this individual had ties to white supremacist groups. Uh, he has since been separated from the military or is being separated from the military and obviously was denied his security clearance, but they're investigating these things. They are now looking at it. Continuous evaluation is tricky. Uh, that information has to be available to these investigators, financial records are easily available, criminal history, um, arrests, things like that are easily, easily available. They have to find a person on social media and it's a little tougher to review, but uh, it's only a matter of time before they get better and better at that. And, and they're really, I think they're going to build social media into the continuous evaluation system. And I think it's going to be a big part of it. Wonderful. Well, always exciting to talk with you, Tony. Thank you so much for your insights. And I look forward to the next time we catch up and what cases you're working on next. So we were talking with my friend Tony Kuhn over at Tully Rinky. And what's so fascinating, Tony just loves his job. And he loves advocating for people to get their security clearance. And I love today that we were talking about the class action suit that is probably going to be in favor of the people who were victims of predatory lending. And that will impact several people, hopefully several hundreds of people who have security clearances, and they no longer have to be concerned about those triggering the financial guidelines. Rachel, what did you find of value today? Well, all of it was just so fascinating. I love just, I agree with you, the passion and dedication to making sure you're doing the right thing. There's ways to make sure that you are intelligent about what you're posting on social media and how you contribute and who you contribute to and in which ways you communicate it. So just that very sensible, logical, you know, can't, it's not always black, white. It's let's talk about what's intelligent and what's smart and what can really help you be successful. So I just thought it was fantastic advice from someone who who certainly knows what he's talking about. So thanks for learning more about security clearances today with us on our podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us if you have a moment, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye.